0: It's July the 10th. Let's read the Bible. Friends, welcome back to this year-long journey from Genesis to Revelation in just one year. Now, today, we're going to do Acts chapters 7, 8, and 9. We're going to get to that in just a minute. Let me let me read one of these comments. I'm, ju- I'm just reading a lot of these lately to encourage you to make the comments. It means a great deal to me to hear from you, uh, especially to know, that you were praying for us. A friend writes and says, I feel like you are family since I see and hear you every day on the Bible bus. Thank you for devoting yourself to the reading of God's word for so many. I really appreciate you. Well, Janet, thank you so much. And I appreciate you and appreciate your comments and your prayers. And Janet says, I feel like you are family. That's exactly right. That's we are in the family of God together. We're brothers and sisters in Jesus, and we are part of the Let's Read the Bible Bible Bus Family. That's a long way to say it. If you're on the Bible bus, you are part of our family. So thank you for being with us. Now today, Stephen is standing before the Sanhedrin, the ruling council, the the, the combination of the White House and the Supreme Court and the Congress. These were the men who made the decisions for the nation of Israel. These are the men who had consented to the death of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, not that many weeks later, here is Stephen, the deacon, godly Stephen, who is standing and he's going to speak. He's—he he, We're told at the end of chapter 6, his face was like that of an angel. What would you say? If you were on trial for your life and you were, it would be as if, would be as if you as a Christian were on trial and you were standing before a joint session of Congress and it was being televised on CNN and ABC and Fox News and all the rest. You had a chance to speak to the rulers of this world. Only you knew, remember, you knew they hated you and they hated what you stand for. What would you say? Would you pull your punches or would you just speak the truth? Let's find out. Acts chapter 7. Are these things true? The high priest asked. Brothers and fathers, he replied. Listen, the God of glory appeared to our father Abraham when he was in Mesopotamia before he settled in Haran and said to him, leave your country and relatives and come to the land that I will show you. Then he left the land of the Chaldeans and settled in Haran from there, after his father died, God had him moved to this land in which you are now living. He didn't give him an inheritance in it, not even a foot of ground, but he promised to give it to him as a possession and to his descendants after him, even though he was childless. God spoke in this way, his descendants would be strangers in a foreign country and they would enslave and oppress them for 400 years. I will judge the nation that they will serve as slaves. God said, after this, they will come out and worship me in this place. And so he gave Abraham the covenant of circumcision. After this, he fathered Isaac and circumcised him on the eighth day. Isaac became the father of Jacob, and Jacob became the father of the twelve patriarchs. The patriarchs became jealous of Joseph and sold him into Egypt. But God was with him and rescued him out of all his troubles. He gave him favor and wisdom in the sight of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, who appointed him ruler over Egypt and over his whole household. Now the famine and great suffering came over all of Egypt and Canaan, and our ancestors could find no food. When Jacob heard there was grain in Egypt, he sent our ancestors there the first time. The second time, Joseph revealed himself to his brothers, and Joseph's family became known to Pharaoh. Joseph invited his father Jacob and all his relatives, 75 people in all, and Jacob went down to Egypt. He and our ancestors died there and were carried back to Shechem, were placed in the tomb that Abraham had bought for a sum of silver from the sons of Hamor and Shechem. At that, as the time was approaching to fulfill the promise that God had made to Abraham, the people flourished and multiplied in Egypt until a different king, who did not know Joseph, ruled over Egypt. He dealt deceitfully with our race and oppressed our ancestors by making them abandon their infants outside so that they wouldn't survive. At this time, Moses was born, and he was beautiful. In God's sight, he was cared for in his father's house for three months. When he was put outside, Pharaoh's daughter adopted and raised him as her own son. So Moses was educated in all the wisdom of the Egyptian and was powerful in his speech and actions. When he was 40 years old, he decided to visit his own people, the Israelites. When he saw one of them being mistreated, he came to his rescue and avenged the oppressed men by striking down the Egyptian He assumed his people would understand that God would give them deliverance through him. But they did not understand. The next day, he showed up while they were fighting and tried to reconcile them peacefully, saying, men, you are brothers. Why are you mistreating each other? But the one who was mistreating his neighbor pushed Moses aside, saying, who appointed you a ruler and judge over us? Do you want to kill me the same way you killed the Egyptian yesterday when he heard this? Moses fled and became an exile in the land of Midian, where he became the father of two sons. After 40 years had passed, an angel appeared to him in the wilderness of Mount Sinai in the flame of a burning bush. Moses saw it. He was amazed at the sight. As he was approaching to look at it, the voice of the Lord came, I am the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, of Isaac, and of Jacob. Moses began to tremble and did not dare to look. The Lord said to him, Take off the sandals from your feet because the place where you were standing is holy ground. I have certainly seen the oppression of my people in Egypt. I have heard their groaning and have come down to set them free. And now come, I will send you to Egypt. This Moses, whom they rejected when they said, who appointed you a ruler and a judge, this one God sent as a ruler and a deliverer through the angel who appeared to him in the bush, this man, led them out and performed wonders and signs in the land of Egypt, at the Red Sea, and in the wilderness for 40 years. This is the Moses who said to the Israelites, God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your brothers. He is the one who was in the assembly in the wilderness with the angel who spoke to him on Mount Sinai and with our ancestors. He received living oracles to give to us. Our ancestors were unwilling to obey him. Instead, they pushed him aside And in their hearts turned back to Egypt. They told Aaron, make us gods who will go before us. As for this Moses who brought us out of the land of Egypt, we don't know what's happened to him. They even made a calf in those days, offered sacrifice to the idol, and were celebrating what their hands had made. God turned away and gave them up to worship the stars of heaven as it is written in the book of the prophets, house of Israel. Did you bring me offerings and sacrifices for 40 years in the wilderness? You took up the tent of Moloch and the star of your god Rephon, the images that you made to worship, so I will send you into exile beyond Babylon. Our ancestors had the tabernacle of the testimony in the wilderness, just as he who spoke to Moses commanded him to make it according to the pattern he had seen. Our ancestors in turn received it, and with Joshua brought it in when they dispossessed the nations that God drove out before them. Until the days of David, he found favor in God's sight and asked that he might provide a dwelling place for the God of Jacob. It was Solomon, rather, who built him a house. But the Most High does not dwell in sanctuaries made with hands, As the prophet says, Heaven is my throne and the earth my footstool. What sort of house will you build for me, says the Lord? Or what will be my resting place? Did not my hand make all these things? You stiff-necked people with uncircumcised hearts and ears. You were always resisting the Holy Spirit as your ancestors did. You do also. Which of the prophets did your ancestors not persecute? They even killed those who foretold the coming of the righteous one, whose betrayers and murderers you have now become. You receive the law under the direction of angels, and yet... Have not kept it. When they heard these things, they were enraged and gnashed their teeth at him. Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven. He saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. He said, Look, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. They yelled at the top of their voices, covered their ears, and together rushed against him. They dragged him out of the city and began to stone him, and the witnesses laid their garments at the feet of a young man named Saul. While they were stoning Stephen, he called out, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. He knelt down and cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And after saying this, he fell asleep. I'll say more about this in a moment. But a thought hit me as I was reading that long sermon, that Old Testament walkthrough by Stephen. He had to know, didn't he? He had to know what they were going to do. I mean, he had to know what was likely to happen. When you when you look at the Jewish leaders and call them you stiff-necked and uncircumcised people, you've murdered, you've murdered the Son of God, the Messiah from heaven. You reject God. You don't even keep the law of God. He had to know. He had to know what they were going to do. And he did it anyway. Whew. Acts chapter 8. What's going to happen now? We got the first Christian martyr. We got a dead man named Stephen who was stoned to death, not for doing wrong, but for doing right. What's going to happen? And did you notice who was guarding the cloaks? This young man named Saul, Saul of Tarsus, chapter 8. Saul agreed with putting him to death. On that day, a severe persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem, and all except the apostles were scattered throughout the land of Judea and Samaria, devout men, buried stephen and mourned deeply over him saul however was ravaging the church he would enter house after house dragging off men and women and putting them in prison we're going to hear more about this tomorrow but saul now he becomes the leader of the anti-christian movement he does house to house reverse evangelism any christians there any christians there any christians there And if he found Christians in Jerusalem anywhere, he would drag them off, have them arrested and thrown in prison. Now, verse 4, what about the believers who were scattered? So those who were scattered went on their way, preaching the word. Philip went down to a city in Samaria and proclaimed the Messiah to them. The crowds were all paying attention to what Philip said. As, As they listened and saw the signs he was performing, For unclean spirits crying out with a loud voice came out of many who were possessed and many who were paralyzed and lame were healed. So there was great joy in the city. A man named Simon had previously practiced sorcery in that city and amazed the Samaritan people while claiming to be somebody great. They all paid attention to him from the least of them to the greatest. And they said, this man is called the great power of God. They were attentive to him because he had amazed them with his sorceries for a long time But when they believed Philip as he proclaimed the good news about the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ, both men and women were baptized. Even Simon himself believed. And after he was baptized, he followed Philip everywhere and was amazed as he observed the signs and great miracles that were being performed. When the apostles who were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them. And after they went down there, They prayed for them so that the Samaritans might receive the Holy Spirit because he had not yet come down on any of them. They had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And Peter and John laid their hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. When Simon saw that the Spirit was given through the laying on of the apostle's hand, he offered them money saying, give me this power so that anyone I lay hands on may receive the Holy Spirit. Peter told him, may your silver be destroyed with you. Because you thought you could gain the gift of God with money. You have no part or share in this matter because your heart is not right before God. Therefore, repent of this wickedness of yours and pray to the Lord that, if possible, your heart's intent may be forgiven. For I see you are poisoned by bitterness and bound by wickedness. Pray to the Lord for me, Simon replied, so that nothing you have said may happen to me. So after they had testified and spoken the word of the Lord, They traveled back to Jerusalem preaching the gospel in many villages of the Samaritans. An angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, Get up and go down to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is the desert road. So he got up and went. There was an Ethiopian man, a eunuch and high official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of her entire treasury. He had come to worship in Jerusalem, was sitting in his chariot on his way home, reading the prophet Isaiah aloud, The Spirit told Philip, go and join that chariot. When Philip ran up to it, he heard him reading the prophet Isaiah, and he said, do you understand what you're reading? How can I, he said, unless someone guides me. So he invited uh, Philip to come up and sit with him. Now the scripture passage he was reading was this. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he does not open his mouth in his humiliation. Justice was denied him who will describe his generation for his life is taken from the earth the eunuch said to philip i ask you who is the prophet saying about this who is the prophet saying this about himself or someone else philip proceeded to tell him the good news about jesus beginning with that scripture as they were traveling down the road they came to some water the eunuch said look there's water what would keep me from being baptized So he ordered the chariot to stop, and both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and he baptized him. So when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away, and the eunuch did not see him any longer, but went on his way rejoicing. Philip appeared in Azotus, and he was traveling and preaching the gospel in all the towns until he came to Caesarea. And now we come to Acts chapter 9. This is the story of Saul's conversion on the road to Damascus. Now Saul was still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord. He went to the high priest and requested letters from him to the synagogues in Damascus, so that if he found any men or women who belonged to the way, he might bring them as prisoners to Jerusalem. As he traveled and was nearing Damascus, a light from heaven suddenly flashed around him, falling to the ground, He heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked, I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting. He replied, but get up and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. The men who were traveling with him stood speechless, hearing the sound but seeing no one. Saul got up from the ground and though his eyes were open, he could see nothing. So they took him by the hand and led him into Damascus. He was unable to see for three days and did not eat or drink. There was a disciple in Damascus named Ananias. And the Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias, here I am, Lord, he replied. Get up and go to the street called Straight. The Lord said to him, to the house of Judas, and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, since he is praying there. In a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias coming in and placing his hands on him, so that he may regain his sight. Lord, Ananias answered, I have heard from many people about this man, how much harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem, and he has authority here from the chief priest to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord said to him, Go, for this man is my chosen instrument to take my name to Gentiles, kings, and Israelites. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Ananias went and entered the house. He placed his hands on him and said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road you were traveling, has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. At once, something like scales fell from his eyes and he regained his sight. Then he got up and was baptized. And after taking some food, he regained his strength. Saul was with the disciples in Damascus for some time. Immediately, He began proclaiming Jesus in the synagogues. He is the Son of God. All who heard him were astounded and said, Isn't this the man in Jerusalem who was causing havoc for those who called on this name and came here for the purpose of taking them as prisoners to the chief priests? But Saul grew stronger and kept confounding the Jews who lived in Damascus by proving that Jesus is the Messiah. After many days had passed, the Jews conspired to kill him, but Saul learned of their plot. So they were watching the gates day and night, intending to kill him. But his disciples took him by night and lowered him in a large basket through an opening in the wall. When he arrived in Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him since they did not believe he was the disciple. Barnabas, however, took him and brought him to the apostles and explained to them how Saul had seen the Lord on the road and that the Lord had talked to him. How in Damascus he had spoken boldly in the name of Jesus. Saul was coming and going with them in Jerusalem, speaking boldly in the name of the Lord. He conversed and debated with the Hellenistic Jews, but they tried to kill him. When the brothers found out, they took him down to Caesarea and sent him off to Tarsus. So the church throughout all Judea, Galilee, and Samaria had peace and was strengthened, living in the fear of the Lord and encouraged by the Holy Spirit it increased in numbers. As Peter was traveling from place to place, he also came down to the saints who lived in Lydda. There he found a man named Aeneas, who was paralyzed and had been bedridden for eight years. Peter said to him, Aeneas, Jesus Christ heals you. Get up and make your bed. And immediately he got up. So all who lived in Lydda and Sharon saw him and turned to the Lord. In Joppa, there was a disciple named Tabitha, which is translated Dorcas. She was always doing good works and acts of charity. About that time, she became sick and died. After washing her, they placed her in a room upstairs. Since Lydda was near Joppa, the disciples heard that Peter was there and sent two, sent two men to him who urged him, Don't delay in coming with us. Peter got up and went with them. When he arrived, they led him to the room upstairs, and all the widows approached him, weeping and showing him the robes and clothes that Dorcas had made While she was with them, Peter sent them all out of the room. He knelt down, prayed, and turning toward the body, said, Tabitha, get up. She opened her eyes, saw Peter, and sat up. He He gave her his hand and helped her stand up. He called the saints and widows and presented her alive. This became known throughout Joppa, and many believed in the Lord. Peter stayed for some time in Joppa with Simon, a leather tanner. There's a lot here. I say that often, don't I? There's a lot here. I am struck, just dropped into this story. You've got, uh, you've got Stephen preaching to the Sanhedrin in chapter seven, and then you've got Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch in chapter eight. And then you've got Peter uh, with Aeneas and then with uh, uh, Tabitha, and and these this, these miracles of healing and and bringing back to life. And how was dropped in there? Just dropped in there is this amazing story of the conversion of Saul of Tarsus, who, obviously, not it was obviously the Jews in Damascus knew he was coming and knew why he was coming, and that's why his conversion was such a shocking thing. I think it's good to remind ourselves and good to remember that uh, sometimes we say, "I found the Lord," yeah, but. If the Lord didn't find you, you never would have found him. Sometimes people say, I was seeking the Lord. Yeah, maybe you were, but Jesus was seeking you first. If he didn't seek you first, you never would have sought him, and you never would have found him. Perfectly fine to say, I found the Lord, as long as we understand, the Lord found us first. You see, Saul's conversion on the road to Damascus is meant to show us, among other things, that salvation is all of grace. It is a work of God from first to last. So this is an amazing story. And I think of it this way. On the day of Saul's conversion, he was near Damascus. Let's say it happened uh, middle of the day, right? Middle of the day it happens at seven o'clock in the morning. Saul has no idea. At eight o'clock he's on the road. We're going to get those Christians, knock some heads together. Has no idea. Nine hundred forty eight. He and the boys are talking. we get to Damascus, we're going to start here, knock on doors and find those Christians. He has no idea that 1048 and 1115 or 1145, he, he has no idea of what's about to happen. And then 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. And just like that. I mean, just like that that a light from heaven suddenly flashed around him he fell to the ground and he heard the voice saying saul saul why are you persecuting me it is it is the pure sovereign saving grace of god this story is in the bible for a number of reasons but one of the reasons surely is to tell us this that uh, sometimes God does things that we think would never be possible. God is able to go into the enemy camp, and he's able to find a man like Saul of Tarsus. He's able to pull him out. He's able to change him, to save him, to redeem him, to give him new life, to give him a new calling, to to take a terrorist like Saul and turn turn him into an evangelist for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Who are you praying for today? Never give up. Never give up. Who are you praying for? Who's a prodigal in your life? Do you have somebody like that who's in your life? They're prodigal and it seems so hopeless. Somebody who is so far away. Never give up. Read this story and never give up. Always keep believing. That's why it's recorded in here once uh, he shows up in Jerusalem. They didn't believe it. Thank God Barnabas was there and who who could go and explain to the apostles and the others, this man has truly been born again. Never give up, friends. Never give up. Never stop praying. Never stop. Even for people who seem far away from God, you never, look, there's a whole lot of people, with this I got to close, there's a whole lot of people who are going to be saved tomorrow and they don't know about it today. But God's got his sights on them. The Holy Spirit is calling them They're on the road to Damascus. They've got their own plans. But at just the right time, the light from heaven is going to shine. They're going to be knocked to the ground. And the voice from heaven is going to say, this is Jesus. Pay attention to me. Jesus is going to break through to them. So let's pray and never give up. You never know what God is going to do. So with that kind of resolute faith, friends, go out and have a great day. Let's keep on praying and keep on believing. You never know what God will do. Come back tomorrow. Acts chapters 10, 11, and 12. We're going to wrap up the story of Peter tomorrow. See you then.